God is glorious in his saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Darren Ong, again recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In our podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we will contemplate the Virgin Martyr, St. Agnes of Rome. St. Agnes suffered and died for her faith when she was only 12 or 13. Jesus Christ made special mention of the faith of children in the Gospels and urged his followers to possess a childlike faith. In particular, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to 6. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change, and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, It would be better for you if a great millstone were fastened around your neck and you were drowned in the depth of the sea. St. Agnes lived around 291 to 304 AD in the city of Rome. The Roman Empire was then ruled by Diocletian, notorious for his fierce persecutions of Christians. Agnes was raised in a pious Christian family, and a wealthy one too, and thus attracted a lot of suitors. She would rebuff them, saying that Jesus Christ was her only spouse. One of the spurned suitors was the son of a powerful city official and reported to his father that Agnes was a Christian. She was asked to reconsider her refusal to marry the son, and when she refused, Agnes was subjected to many tortures and humiliations just because she was a Christian. The nature of what precisely she had to endure differs in the many different accounts about her, but they all affirm that God miraculously protected her throughout her ordeal. One account states that she was dragged on a public street naked 
but her hair miraculously grew out enough to cover her whole body. Another account stated that she was forced into a brothel, but an angel then stood at the door and shone a light, blinding everyone that would approach her. St. Ambrose of Milan mentions her martyrdom in a homily roughly 60 years after the events took place. Today is the birthday of a virgin. Let us imitate her purity. It is the birthday of a martyr. Let us offer ourselves in sacrifice. It is the birthday of Saint Agnes, who is said to have suffered martyrdom at the age of twelve. The cruelty that did not spare her youth shows all the more clearly the power of faith in finding one so young to bear it witness. There was little or no room in that small body for a wound. Though she could scarcely receive the blow, she could rise superior to it. Girls of her age cannot bear even their parents' frowns, and pricked by a needle, weep as for a serious wound. Yet she shows no fear of the blood-stained hands of her executioners. She stands undaunted by heavy, clanking chains, She offers her whole body to be put to the sword by fierce soldiers. She is too young to know of death, yet is ready to face it. Dragged against her will to the altars, she stretches out her hands to the Lord in the midst of the flames, making the triumphant sign of Christ the victor on the altars of sacrilege. She puts her neck and hands in iron chains, but no chain can hold fast her tiny limbs. A new kind of martyrdom, too young to be punished, yet old enough for a martyr's crown, unfitted for the contest, yet effortless in victory. She shows herself a master in valor, despite the handicap of youth. As a bride, she would not be hastening to join her husband with the same joy she shows as a virgin on her way to punishment, crowned not with flowers, but with holiness of life, adorned not with braided hair, but with Christ himself. In the midst of tears, She sheds no tears herself. The crowds marvel at her recklessness in throwing away her life untasted, as if she had already lived life to the full. All are amazed that one not yet of legal age can give her testimony to God. She succeeds in convincing others of her testimony about God, though her testimony in human affairs could not yet be accepted. What is beyond the power of nature, they argue, must come from its creator. What menaces there were from the executioner to frighten her 
what promises made to win her over, what influential people desired her in marriage. She answered, To hope that any other will please me does wrong to my spouse. I will be his, who first chose me for himself. Executioner, why do you delay? If eyes that I do not want can desire this body, then let it perish. She stood still. She prayed. She offered her neck. You could see fear in the eyes of the executioner, as if he were the one condemned. His right hand trembled, his face grew pale as he saw the girl's peril, while she had no fear for herself. One victim, but a twin martyrdom, to modesty and to religion. Agnes preserved her virginity and gained a martyr's crown. St. Ambrose also wrote a hymn to commemorate the martyrdom of St. Agnes. This translation is from Brian Dunkel, a Jesuit priest, in his book Enchantment and Creed in the Hymns of Ambrose of Milan. It is the birthday of the Blessed Virgin Agnes on this holy day by means of her sacred blood her spirit flows back to heaven. She was old enough for martyrdom, but still not old enough to wed. Then, faith was wavering in men, and the weary elder gave up. Her parents, shaken with fear, increased the protection of her modesty, but faith which knows no restraint opened the doors of confinement. Anyone might think a bride came forth. She was escorted with such a joyful face, carrying for her groom a new wealth, enriched by the dowry of her blood. She is summoned to make a sacrifice by the torch on the altar of the wicked deity. She responds that Christ's virgins do not take up such torches. This fire snuffs out faith. This fire tears away light. Strike me here, here, so that I might quench the fireplace with flowing blood. Beaten down, she appeared majestic, for she covered herself completely with her clothes, excelling in care for her modesty, lest anyone see her nakedness. In her death, modesty lived and she covered her face with her hands. She seeks the earth with bended knees as she modestly and gently fell. St. Agnes is known and celebrated for her virginity and chastity I think this aspect of her life and the lives of the other Virgin Saints, most prominently the Virgin Mary, is sometimes misunderstood. The Church does honour chastity and virginity 
not just in the ancient saints, but also today. Monks and nuns to this day all take upon themselves vows of celibacy. Members of religious orders like the Jesuits do as well. In fact, in the Roman Catholic tradition, all priests must be celibate. This insistence on celibacy, on chastity, does not come from a hatred of sex, or in regarding sex as something dirty or evil. That which is created by God is not evil. And in fact, there is a whole book of the Bible, the Song of Solomon, which celebrates human sexuality. However, Christians regard knowing Christ as the greatest of all joys, greater even than the joy we derive from romantic love and sex. For this reason, people like St. Agnes, who give up the possibility of marriage in order to pursue Christ, are regarded with great honor. So we should not be tempted to look at St. Agnes with pity, as one who died very young, without getting to experience the things that an adult life has to offer. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus Christ said that he has come so that we can have life, and have it to the full. And indeed, by choosing to follow Christ, and getting the privilege to die a martyr's death for his sake, St. Agnes experiences fully the joyous life that Jesus intends for us all. And this joy is greater even than marriage, as wonderful as it is. This sentiment is beautifully expressed in a narrative poem about St. Agnes, written by Hrotsvita, a 10th century poet and nun. This extract from the poem is Agnes's response to the suitor wooing her, where she explains why exactly she wants to give up marriage to instead pursue Christ. O son of death eternal, deserving of damnation, fuel of crime and despiser of the Almighty, departing from me speedily, leave me and flee. Neither do thou trust that thou wilt be able to pervert my chaste heart, which the sweet love of a far nobler spouse has anticipated, the beautiful token of whose faith I bear upon my brow and in my whole body that token with which he has signed me and has bound me closely to himself, lest my mind should presume to seek any other lover, but rather that it should learn to embrace him alone, who is potent in every virtue and resplendent in beauty and is far above all in heaven and on earth. Him, equal in divine nature, and not inferior in majesty, the Almighty begot without a mother before the earliest ages of the world, this Son, through whom He hath made the world for Himself. And this same Son, a mother brought forth without a father, 
and nourished her own maker, born in time. His outstanding comeliness, the splendor of the sun, and the gleaming glory of the moon do marvel at, glorifying with their brilliant rays the Lord of the earth. And at his command, all these subservient stars fulfill through the years the courses assigned unto them. To him all the angelic choirs, making acclamations in fitting praises, do not cease to render homage. To him belong wondrous goodness and exalted power, glory sublime, perpetual concord of peace, glorious kindliness, and will exceedingly benign. For such is the lover whom I cherish, and he, I confess, is alone to be worshipped above all others. He indeed hath espoused me with a token of such love, as though he hath enriched his spouse with a brilliant diadem, and he hath encircled my neck with precious gems, and hath suspended from my ears costly earrings, and hath presented to me splendid adornments of various beauty. From his lips hath flowed forth a sweetness that hath nourished me with milk, and fed me with sweet food like to the nectar of sweet honey, and an abundance of milk. Moreover, he hath constructed for me an eternal bridal chamber, resplendent with varied jewels and metal of gold. In this abode, instruments resounding in harmonious melodies sing for me a sweet hymn throughout all the ages, and likewise sounding forth the praises of my celestial spouse. They persuade me ever to his affection. When I love him, in the inmost affection of my heart, no loss do I suffer of maidenhood. But when I merit the joy of his embrace, and, like a bride, am led to his glorious bridal chamber, I remain a virgin without violation of chastity. For him alone I must needs preserve perpetual troth. To him I entrust myself with all the endeavor of my heart. Saint Agnes is a much beloved saint in all the Christian traditions. She is often associated with lambs, partly because the Latin word for lamb, Agnes, sounds close to her name. The lamb is also an allusion to Agnes's innocence and her martyric sacrifice. Most artistic portrayals of her, in the form of icons, paintings, statues, also contain a lamb. Each year, on Agnes's feast day, on January the 21st, two white lambs are blessed and their sheared wool woven into the palia sent by the Pope to new archbishops throughout the world. The Eastern Orthodox troparion for St. Agnes refers to her as a lamb as well. Your lamb, Agnes, 
calls out to you, O Jesus, in a loud voice. I love you, my bridegroom, and in seeking you I endure suffering. In baptism I was crucified so that I might reign in you, and I died so that I might live with you. Accept me as a pure sacrifice, for I have offered myself in love. Through her prayers, save our souls, since you are merciful. Agnes's bones are conserved beneath the high altar of the church of St. Agnesi outside the walls in Rome. Her skull is preserved in a separate chapel in a church of St. Agnesi in Agon, also in Rome. And of course, there are countless schools, hospitals, churches named after her all over the world. And as we remember and commemorate St. Agnes of Rome, we remember also persecuted Christians suffering and dying for their faith still today. And we remember also the many innocent children who suffer violence, even sexual violence. St. Agnes, please pray for them and for us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints Podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at Generative Sounds jjm.bandcamp.com To end this episode, I would like to read this passage from the Song of Solomon, which is the assigned Old Testament reading for St. Agnes' feast day, January 21st, under the Anglican Church. As I mentioned earlier, Song of Solomon is a poem and book of the Bible that celebrates erotic, romantic love. This passage is a hauntingly beautiful one when applied to St. Agnes' story, given her insistence that Jesus is her only spouse. In this part of the poem, the lover calls his bride to come away with him as the winter of death is past and a new spring begins. From the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 10 to 13. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. For now the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come. And the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Mm-hmm.